You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 27. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Jill Monaco Show. And continuing my podcast series, you know I've been chatting with some of my friends in the music industry. So if you've missed any of them, be sure to double back and catch the incredible testimony of music producer Jason Davis, Christian music artist Meredith Andrews, and American Idol contestant Manny Torres. But today, you are gonna hear from my friend Eric Welsh. He works in a different part of the business. You wouldn't recognize him if you saw him walking down the street, but you'd know his work. Eric has directed over 200 music videos and live concert music films from multiple artists, such as Carrie Underwood, I don't know if you've ever heard of her, <laughs> Kid Rock, Jimmy Buffett, Toby Mac, Mandisa, Kenny Chesney, Steve Miller Band, Hank Williams Jr. Let's just give a few more, okay? Tim McGraw, Miranda Lambert, Dolly Parton, and Mercy Me. Mercy me, for sure. Eric's commitment to creative excellence has garnered acclaim through multiple nominations for both the ACM and CMA Awards, as well as the Addie, Telly, Billboard, and Dove Award wins. Now, he has added a new title. He's calling himself now a director. His new film is called Beautifully Broken, and it will be released on August 24th in over 600 theaters in the United States. It's based on a true story of three families whose lives are forever changed and healed by the power of child sponsorship through Compassion International. As three fathers fight to save their families, their lives become intertwined in an unlikely journey across the globe where they learn the healing power of forgiveness and reconciliation. The movie also features the title song, Beautifully Broken, performed by three artists, each lending their voice to a unique version of the song, which incorporates all three musical stylings. So first they have the Dove Award-winning pop singer Plum, who also wrote the song, Grammy Award-winning country artist John Barry, and Grammy Award-winning gospel artist Cece Winans. So that is our introduction for Eric, and Eric, welcome to the show. I think we're done here, folks. That was such an amazing intro. I don't know what else we could say or do. That's That was pretty incredible. That's it. Take your bow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jill. Appreciate everyone joining in. Thank you. That's right. Goodbye. The shortest podcast I ever did. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> So, um, you know, usually I like to kind of let the listeners know how we know each other. And uh, we were just chatting about it this week that we kind of know each other in one of my favorite ways, which is random at the Dove Awards um, the first time they did it in Atlanta. And we were both hanging out in the lobby. Yeah, pretty crazy. There's serendipity for you. There it is. (laughs) And um, then you stalked me on Facebook. That's totally true. 
true. <laughs> um, but I love how God just connects people, and we may not talk for a while, or our paths may not cross. And and when I came across your Facebook post about this movie, Beautifully Broken, I was, you know, I watched the trailer and I thought, oh, this is awesome. And just as I was thinking, wow, this is a really good movie. You messaged me, and you're like, hey, what's up? <laughs> It's kind of funny because I, you know, when you said you may not ever recognize him walking on the street, that's so true. I'm so low-key. I barely, barely have a social media presence, and I usually just post on Facebook, like, after a video's done. I'm not the, hey, look at me, I'm on set, or I'm, mm-hmm. you know, going to the set of blah, blah, blah today. I just really, you know... um, post on Facebook like okay here's the video we did thanks to the crew and thanks to the artists and everyone who made this possible mainly so my family uh, can know what I've been working on because uh, you know I, I don't really stay in touch that much with some of the extended family and some of the friends from high school that kind of thing like to know what what's happening or what, what what I'm up to right. so yeah so the fact that you know I'm posting on the movie now I feel like I'm forcing my home vacation videos on all my friends because I'm doing so many posts now. They're like, wait a minute, Eric's posting on Facebook. Is something wrong? Right. So, so yeah, so I was posting on Facebook and, and I, you know, it's very humbling to see so many people that you've known for so long. They're all excited about it. And it's like, okay, it's, it's just cause I don't post that much. Yeah. And seeing their reactions was, was crazy. So like, as I'm posting, you're seeing people, you know, uh, commenting or sharing or what have you, and your name popped up. I was like, "Well, what, heck, what the heck is going on with you?" So I, you know, <laughs> reached out to you, and because I'm just, you know, I really, uh, I really just live in the bunker and just kind of do, um, you know, go out and shoot, obviously, but really editing in the bunker. It's like where I kind of do my mad scientist thing and (laughs) put edits together and and ship them out to the world and and there they go and then I just go eat lunch so (laughs) you know it's not this big hoopla everybody's like oh you're you're you know your work is so glamorous and exciting like well yeah maybe for a day on set you could kind of think that but uh most of the time it's either writing uh on the couch or you know editing in the in the bunker the upper room that I have where I just do a lot of my editing it's very um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just very, very matter of fact. And yeah, I, it's, it's not as glamorous as that, people think, right? Yeah. Well, I think that's the same with music. Like a lot of people would be surprised at some of the studios people record in here in Nashville. It's like, Oh, in my garage here is where we cut the vocals for <laughs> such and such records. Like what? You know? Right. So you right. never know. Yeah, and I didn't mention that, that you live in Nashville, which is one of my favorite cities, towns in the country, just has such a great vibe to it. So I uh, mm-hmm. was talking to Meredith Andrews before and Jason Davis, and I'm like, I need to get back down to Nashville, so we'll have to hang out. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of uh, the videos that you've made. I think one of okay. my favorite ones is Carrie Underwood's. See you again. And... Um... That the, the, here's a funny little twist on that. I mean, I can talk about the video, of course, because it's one of my favorites uh, for various reasons. But there's actually in the film, in the movie, beautifully broken. There's actually I I wrote the title of this song into one of the dialogue lines. There's a line where the, mm. the, one of the daughters is seeing her father, and she holds up this necklace and says, and gives it to the father, and, and says, "Till I see you again." And I just laugh every time it comes <laughs> on. 
like one of those little Easter egg things. It's kind of a little thing. So anyway. Right. Uh, now, does yeah, Carrie that, know about you know, this, though? Have you told her you kind of worked in her song? Is she asking for rights to it? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I may have just got myself in a lot of trouble right there. <laughs> Publishing people will come after me. That's right. Um, no, so the, the song, you know, I had, it was in 2013, and... It was like I had just come out of a hard time personally and had some physical challenges. I had hurt my back and and just very hard time in, in the early part of 2013. And literally, um, there are several videos that kind of walked me through that. And it's really ridiculous. One of them was Carrie's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I got the call for Carrie and Kid Rock. I, I was awarded both those jobs on the same day. And they both shot on the same two days like we filmed carry on a monday and then drove to film kid rock about six hours overnight the next day and started wow. at like six in the morning with he and hank williams jr hunting turkeys on hank's property <laughs> so the carry video was really special because it was just it's inspiring the song mm-hmm. was so moving and i really wanted to bring together as many diverse like she just wanted a minimal performance in it and really wanted to show YouTube videos and share real stories of people. And so we set on on that path and capturing those. And then, you know, just like I felt like, okay, we've got her performance. Her performance looked beautiful, amazing. Um, we've got several YouTube videos that show real people experiencing things. But I wanted to pepper in just little pieces and little poetic visuals, you know, uh, you know, diff- different people. Like one of my friends, I, this was completely random. Like I was just putting in different shots and one of them was a shot of a little tricycle rolling across the pavement. Mm. And one of my friends that was actually involved in working on the project had seen several cuts of it as we were progressing. And he goes, man, I, I'm telling you, the, mo- the, the, the video is moving. But yeah. he goes, when I saw that tricycle shot, I broke down and cried. And it was like one of the last shots that I kind of just put in as a little piece of pepper. And they had had um, the loss of a child in their family. And mm-hmm. somehow that shot captured the emotion of what he felt about that lost child. And, you know, it's wow. crazy. Like, th- there's so many things you put in a video you don't know especially in in that video, it's just a potpourri of military people coming home, you know, fathers and, you know, shot some graves and just, Mm -hmm. just different things that people could use as a touchstone of emotion. And it's, you know, the tricycle, I never thought that the tricycle would connect in that way. I just thought it was kind of a cool, interesting shot that, you know, reflected on a child, but the, 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 the symbolism of an empty tricycle to him, it just connected. Yeah. yeah, and you just never know what people are going to find through your videos to connect with. And, and that's really, that's the biggest reason that I, I love doing videos like that. I love doing videos of substance that have some kind of meaning behind them and, and just isn't, you know, a dance video or just an artist performance video, which, you know, sure, we'll do those. But, you know, how many times, um, I don't want to mention artists and songs, but just like how many times have I written treatments or written ideas or done videos where it's like, man, if we had done this other idea, it really could have been something emotional and, and touched people. And and sometimes that's not the case, but for yeah. whatever reason, 
I'm not a marketing person at that label, <laughs> so there you go. But you are a really creative person who really, I mean, there's so many people who do their job and they're good at it, but you, from what I know of you, you take your assignment and you're always trying to add purpose and value and touch people, like helping people like encounter God or encounter their God in their pain. Like, I know this enough of you that that matters to you. Well, I appreciate that. That means a lot to me that I don't, yeah, I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't sit down and say that's my purpose, but yeah, it is like, especially the, the, I will say the word more seasoned I become. Um, I just, I want to put my life into things that, that, that affect people more. And, you know, there's been a couple of times where artists have come to me and, and said, Hey, I want to do this video. I want to do that. And, we talked through ideas and, and I remember one time I was pretty blunt with a manager. I'm just like, this song is bigger than what you think this song is. It, it, not, not that that's the wrong way to state it. This song is bigger than the idea we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if this is the idea you want to do, I'm not really interested in doing this video. Uh, Cause it just, I see the potential of what this could be and how this could really speak to people. And what we're talking about is just kind of what anybody would do. And, and I don't, I'm not, I don't know that I want to do that, you know, because I want to do something that speaks to people. Like, you know, we talked about it earlier, like uh, awards are cool. And I don't I don't want to downplay the awards and things do to honor people at all. But really what resonates with me is like when you talk about that Carrie Underwood video and I go read some of the comments on the YouTube page, it's like this reminds me of my father who died 10 years ago or. Yeah. This reminds me I need to call my brother who I haven't talked to in five years, you know, or just something as simple as I miss you, dad. I mean, those are the things that are important because that is what, you know, you're connecting with people and, and that's, what's important to me. You know, the awards and the mentions and all that stuff, that's fine. That's great. And it's easy for me to say that because I've won them. You know what I mean? It's a little ironical, if you will, but, um, I, I really do look at the YouTube comments and, you know, some of the interpretations of videos are hilarious, <laughs> but it's those, those heartfelt ones where people are connecting to something you created. And really it's the music. I, I mean, I'm just putting, yeah. you know, my little finger painting on top of their artistry. But um, yeah. if, if you can get something that connects to people and helps them through something, heck yeah. I mean, Overcomer, you know, by Mandisa, that, that yeah. video came at the same time. And I was really struggling. And every everything about that video, from the lyric to the, the, the stories we put in that Overcomer video, pushed me and challenged me and, and drew me deeper into my face in a time when I was being challenged by some things. And it, it, that was great for it to have that impact on me. But I hope that that's the impact it had on other people. Yeah. You know, you just said something that reminded me. Sometimes I like you know, people don't really know what's going on with you. You know, we only post on Facebook, you know, our highlight reel, but there's so much mm-hmm. more. There's some, like my blooper reel is way bigger than my highlight reel. And, <laughs> and like, I don't really post all of those, but even internally, like sometimes my clients save me. Like the fact that mm-hmm. I have to get my mind right because I'm a coach and I help people with right thinking mm-hmm. and, you mm-hmm. know, and thinking like God thinks that I don't have the luxury 
of like falling into, you know, a mindless pit and, and not, you know, being productive as far as, um, mm-hmm. you know what I'm trying to say? Like, so Mandisa's oh, yeah. song, like sometimes our work is like, I feel like given to us by God to help us through our own thing. And then we can help others too, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. I was talking to a woman the other day who um, was transitioning from being a life coach into a, um, a nurse practitioner. And she was just talking about how, you know, I kind of became a therapist to work through my issues and trying to work through my issues, hopefully help other people. And I think yeah. it's true. I mean, we all have, I mean, and this ties into the movie too, but we all have um, our own challenges and our own things. And, and it's separate from Facebook life. It's separate from the happy life that we try to portray with people. Um, I think people are being more and more honest on Facebook, but I think, you know, there mm-hmm. is that Facebook envy that, oh, yeah. they're out skiing or they're in the Bahamas and, you know, my life sucks because I'm here working or whatever. Right. And But we all have that. And if we're real about those things, um, that's where we can heal ourselves, but also our stories can help other people, you know. Mm-hmm. Um when you know that someone else is going through a challenge, like, you know, when I hurt my back or, you know, I'm dealing with a skin condition or whatever, you, you, you can talk to other people and they're like, oh, a friend of mine had that or, oh, I know something that helps so-and-so, you know. So I've gone, I mean, I'm not throwing my dirty laundry in front of everyone, but I've been more open about things I've been challenged with with people because I feel like they may know something that could help me in my journey or vice versa. And not that I'm the open book that uh, I blurt out everything in my life because that's really not true because I'm very understated most of the time, even though I'm babbling like an idiot right now. (laughs) But, you know, there is something about just just putting things out there. Um, A friend of mine suggested nutritionists. If I hadn't talked about some of the physical challenges I was having, they never would have suggested this amazing nutritionist. So that's just part of the process, I guess. All right, I'm rambling. Go forth. (laughs) (laughs) When we were talking about the the way that sometimes we don't understand what other people are going through, there's an element of that in the movie um, where the one daughter, I don't want to ruin the story, is saying about another daughter, well, she doesn't really understand. Like, what kind of trial could she have possibly had in her life? Right. And we, we just really don't know. And I love that part yeah. of there are lots of elements in the movie that, um, you know, may not be our culture, but we can relate to. So let's um, talk about the movie a little bit. Sure. I mean, I think you start with the title, you know, and you, you set it up great. Like the, the title is beautifully broken with the idea that all of us have brokenness in some way. And God makes that beautiful. Mm-hmm. And and the the story that you're relating to in the film is, is it's kind of, you, you know, in one little scene, you've touched on a big uh, theme in the film is just that we don't know what other people are going through. And we make assumptions based on people's social status, their wealth or lack of wealth, um, their race, uh, what country they're from. And the film does challenge a lot of those stereotypes and perceptions and in, in a way, try to turn them on their head. You know, mm-hmm. we have one um, one of the daughters who has escaped the genocide of Africa is now in America. And she sees this American girl playing with these kids. And she just assumes that, you know, she's a rich girl. She has everything. And her and her father, William, who's the really guiding 
character, the Yoda of the film, says, you know, just because you see no tears does not mean the person hasn't cried. And he says, speak gently of others because you don't know what paths they have crossed. And um, I think I'm butchering the quote right now, actually. But um, <laughs> you don't know what people have gone through. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, I mean, like the other day I was on the phone with somebody talking to them about uh, my bank account or sorry, paying for my visa card. And they were extremely rude. And I was just like, man, am I going to be a jerk back? Or maybe they're, who knows what this person's going through. So I was just mm-hmm. like, you know what? When they were like on over the top offensive, I was just trying to be slightly under the top nice because mm-hmm. you don't know. And right. it's not that I'm a perfect person. It just hit me that one time. The rest of the time, I'm a total jerk. <laughs> but that one time, I was trying to be nice. You know, I'm so glad the one time you're nice, we can talk about it on the was, podcast. There's one time I can talk about it on the podcast, yes. <laughs> Um, you know, when I was, um, I watched the film and thank you so much for sending me that early release so I could, um, review it. Um, but there were so many elements that I want people to know because I really want to encourage people to go see it. Um, and, and the reason we want people to go see it is because opening weekend determines the life of a film, right? Sure. So, um, Mm -hmm. So we're going to, you know, for everyone who's listening, I'm going to, we're going to kind of go over things without giving away the story. But this is set um, in Africa and the United States. And so two of the families are based in Africa and one of the families is here. So it, without giving away too much, um, one of the, the daughter in America sponsors a child um, through Compassion International. And that is how the relationships start connecting. But what I love is is how God really connected these three families in a way that sounds like it was written in fiction for a movie. But this was like real life that happened. It's so unusual. So can you give us just an overview of uh, the storyline so people can understand? Sure. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, you say it, if people had written it in a movie, no one would believe it. And Mm -hmm. uh, Randy, the the person who is... uh, uh, the real Randy in the movie is the executive producer of the film. And he goes, you know, if Hollywood wrote the script, no one believe it. But Hollywood didn't write the script. God did. And it's mm-hmm. really, I mean, it's so true. Yeah. Um, the, the story is amazing. It really, it starts, uh, it, it, the, the movie has a parallel of three different families. And they all go on parallel journeys that eventually intersect. It's similar to the film Crash, if anyone has seen that. Just that you have different storylines that somehow intersect, but you don't know how. Mm-hmm. And the springboard for the film is the Rwandan genocide. William Wazera is the main character and family that the that really is the one that connects all these families together. And the movie begins in the first five, ten minutes capturing the intensity of the Rwandan genocide and he has to get his family out of Rwanda and that starts an incredible journey of him leaving with his family escaping to Kenya and then eventually his he gets the opportunity to go to America but he's faced with the dilemma that he can't go to America and take his family yet he has to go first establish a residence and then he can bring them over and it's, he's faced immediately with that dilemma. Like, how far are you willing to go to mm-hmm. save the family that you love? And, and he's faced with that. And so that decision is made, and that's where he goes to America and meets Randy Hartley. 
And Randy is an American father dealing with American family issues like most families do. And really, through the course of the film, you see how these two men and their different world perspectives uh, really influence each other and how, in turn, the, the, their paths intersecting eventually help save each other. How Randy's family is in crisis and obviously William's family is in crisis, but, but through their friendship and through the wisdom of William and the giving of each other, they actually impact each other's families and save each other's families in the process. So it may sound like it's an intense film in terms of, yeah, it starts in Rwanda, but really it, this is an inspiring film that hopefully people will find a character in that they can connect with emotionally because they've experienced something similar to one of the three families. Yeah, that's so awesome. It really, um, I think people, when they when they encounter it, they'll find that they relate into whether it's a situation or a person. And that's my favorite part about watching movies is being able to pull something out of it and say, I, this really impacted me because of this thing in my life. And I want to be that way. Mm-hmm. And the forgiveness is a big theme in the movie as well. Um, and it's really done beautifully without being cheesy. Um, cause I know a lot of Christian films get a reputation. Um, and, uh, and I really want to just honor you in the way that you did this and, um, and encourage people like, yes, it's about forgiveness, but, um, it's not cheesy. <laughs> so. Well, yeah, I, I think the thing about this movie, that's a little different than some of those. And I, I appreciate you saying that. I mean, it's, it is a, it is a, I don't like to say it's a faith-based movie because someone really corrected that in one of our screenings, they said, it's a film about faith. And it's so true because the mm-hmm. film really is you see real-life situations from people. And you see how their faith, whether in positive ways or sometimes questioning ways, plays out throughout the whole journey. I mean, uh-huh. there are moments where the characters face doubt. There are moments where they're like, God, are you even listening? Are you there? And I mean, I've said those things. I think David was pretty clear in Psalms sometimes, right. even Christ on the cross. Well, you know, God, why have you forsaken me? Like, we, we all have those moments where we're like, hey, you know, we're ringing the bell. Are you listening? Are you are you watching what's happening here? Right. Because this is not fun. This sucks. And how, how do, how, God, where are you in this? And I think the film has different stories of different levels of intensity that, all those characters ask that question at some point. You know, why is this happening this way? For sure. You know, um, this story is so unique, and obviously you live in Nashville, so um, I'm assuming you had some sort of connection to this family, but how did you really find out about the story and decide to make it into a film? Great question. One of the producers for the film is someone I've known for several years. He was a producer in the music world, and he had created all kinds of hits for other artists and he was transitioning out of um, transitioning out of the music world and wanted to do films and I had done several music videos for his artist and he, and he kept threatening he's like one of these days you're going to do one of my movies you're going to do one of, the, <laughs> of my movies I'm like okay you know we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens you know because a lot of people say a lot of things and it's just like yeah. until I'm standing on the set I don't believe people about anything you know <laughs> yeah. so he kept threatening me and, and he offered me a, a script for one film and I wasn't available to do it. I was knee deep in a Toby Mac project and just couldn't do it. 
And and then the next film that came along was this script, and he gave it to me, and I read it, and I had spent two months in in a Nigeria on a missions trip, and then another two weeks on another missions trip to South Africa. So I had that connection of Africa, and the African mm-hmm. people are beautiful. I mean, if you ever go to Africa, they're some of the sweetest people you'll ever meet, and I really connected to it, and the story was amazing, and. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go for it. You know, it was kind of a, it was a departure. It's one of those things on a personal level, you know, people tell you if you're not doing something that scares you, yeah, then you're not alive. And this is my first, I mean, I'd done like a short pilot for a program, but this was a feature length film and this was diving in the deep end with three stories. There's three different stories and they're filming in two different countries. And so it's like, you know, some people start off with a small little narrative of a love triangle gone wrong, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. But no, I've got to <laughs> jump in the deep end with three stories. Of, and, and, and that was pretty stupid, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just didn't start off small. You just went for for a big one. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't, yeah, kind of. I'm just thrown in the deep end here. Swim, Eric. Good luck. So... They were to- they're two totally different worlds, um, but it's funny, you know. I some I get like when it's a big scene, like for instance in the film, you'll see the roadblock scene, and we have various cars, multiple extras. We have a car on fire, you know. It's it's a it's a fairly intense scene with a lot of stuff going on, and it's a very important scene. And those kind of scenes are a little overwhelming to me, and that was a big day. It was just so much to process and think through safety, the dialogue, you know, what's happening in the scene and making sure that you get everything that tells the story for that scene. Um, and, and again, safety. So Mm -hmm. that was a really intense day. But the funny thing about it is, is that I think probably six, nine months later, I was doing the Toby Mac music video, love broke through. And that was almost bigger because we had hundred plus extras, you know, guys dressed up in riot gear, protesters. And I worked with an AD from a movie and it was funny because the movie actually prepared me for the scope of that music video because mm-hmm. it was a lot to pull off in one day with all those extras. And I remember just thinking, this is ironic that the, the movie prepared me for this <laughs> day, you know? So, yeah. Well, you know, speaking of uh, Toby Mac being in it, there is another pretty big, uh, well, you know, maybe he's kind of known uh, <laughs> um, musician, singer, songwriter in the movie who plays the pastor. That's true. Uh, pastor Henry, uh, Michael W. Smith yeah. plays the role of Pastor Henry in the film. And what a what a delight it was to work with him. He's such an awesome man. Uh, he brought so much joy and life and fun to the set. I, I really just grown to appreciate him on a whole other level, uh, working with him day in and day out. And it, it was just a wonderful experience. He's a, he's a great person and truly an icon and inspiration for our industry. Absolutely. Well, a lot of, let's talk about some of the other actors in the film. Uh, I recognize Julia Roberts' brother in there. Um, and go ahead and share a little bit about who they can expect to see when they come to see the film. Great, wonderful. Well, you know, our lead role is William Luzerwa, which is the gentleman who comes 
he's our Yoda in the film, and that's played by Benjamin Onyengo. And Benjamin is just a awesome, awesome guy. Many of you may have seen him in the God's Not Dead franchise. He plays the African in the God's Not Dead franchise. But in our film, this is something William and I talked about when we first started. I said, look, your character is completely different than the character that's in God's Not Dead. In God's Not Dead, it's like, you know, sort of a comic relief character in some ways, you know, because uh, he keeps repeating that, you know, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And I, for, for this film, you know, Benjamin had to stretch out of that because uh, it really, his character is Yoda in this film. He continually con- conveys these Williamisms of wisdom and he lived through the Rwandan genocide. It's a completely different person than what he plays in his other films. Uh, mm-hmm. He also was in Tears of the Sun, which is one of my favorite movies with Bruce Willis. Uh, so Benjamin uh, plays our William. And he does an amazing job. And also in the film is Scott William Winters, who you may know. He's played several roles on television, but one of my favorite roles that he was in was from Goodwill Hunting. And you know the scene where um, they're talking in the bar and they have this little confrontation between him and Matt Damon. And then in the end, he walks up and Scott's sitting in this diner and uh Matt Damon takes the phone number of the girl that he got and he goes, do you like apples? And Scott's Mm -hmm. like, what? He goes, do you like apples? And he goes, I got her number. How about them apples? (laughs) And uh, so I was waiting to say that the whole film, Scott. (laughs) Like, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I'm waiting to drop that one on him. And the funny thing is, is one day on set, he actually said it. (laughs) Um, And everybody just busted out laughing. So it was was pretty hilarious. (laughs) So... Also in the film is Emily Hahn, who is in uh, Toy Story, and she plays the role of Andrea Hartley. Uh, Caitlin Nicole Thomas, who is also was in the song and several other films. She's an artist and performer. So, you know, we have several people, including a gentleman, Eugene, who plays Augustine in the film, was in District 9 in Chappie. Uh, he was a South African actor that we connected with. So yeah, there well- are a lot of diversity in the cast. For sure. Some great performances. So I know people will recognize some people and enjoy that. Um, so what is, if you know, if you had one thing that you hope people will take away, you know, after they see Beautifully Broken, what do you, what is that? That's a tough one because, you know, there are so many different elements in this film, you know, through all three of the stories, it's really hard to say, this is what I want people to walk away with. Um, it's something in the process of talking through the the vision of the film and, and talking through with some of the marketing of the film. Like, it's very hard to narrow it down. But I think, you know, we touched on it earlier in a way. Uh, it really is the idea that through, we all have some piece of brokenness in our life. We all have something that some hardship we've gone through or something from our past that may haunt us. And, and letting God deal with that first. Mm-hmm. Letting, being open to God dealing with that's number one. And second, you know, like the Bible says, confess to one another to find healing. And, and this movie is a huge example of that, that through other people's stories, we find our own selves and, and we find people that may have experienced similar things and, and we can find healing through each other in many ways. And, I think you see that. You see that through the brokenness of the fathers. 
You see that in what the daughters are going through. But as much as the film focuses on three fathers protecting their families, I think something that's often missed is the power of the woman in this film. And those fathers are challenged and they're going through things, yes. But when you look at the film, the, the wives and the mothers and how they maintain the family unit and how they also work to, you know, support their husband, challenge their husband, love their children. Those are all really strong themes in the film as well. So I don't think I'm answering your question, but I'm very excited about what I just said. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was beautifully said. I don't even remember my question. No, I think it was what we hope people will take away. Um, I, I, I mean, that is what I hope people take away is just how we all share common values and common ideals, even though we could be from different parts of the world, different cultures, different economic backgrounds, different races, you know, even different beliefs in, in, in our faith. You know, we still have common ideals and really it comes down to love God and love your neighbor. Yeah. And, you know, so many things we talk about in faith and religion are, are important, but some ways to me, side, side pockets. Or, you know, the really thing is like, do I, do I love God to the best of my ability? And am I loving my neighbor? And that alone is a lifetime challenge. And every day we're challenged with how am I loving my neighbor? How am I treating people? So yeah, well, you're those talking, are the big issues to me. Yeah, you're talking about the theme of really this podcast is love God, love yourself, love others. And, um, yeah. and I just always want to talk about how to love well. Um, and I think Beautifully Broken, even just the title of that resonates with really our brokenness can be beautiful. And we don't feel like it's beautiful in the process. But I know from my own personal experience, the times that I've gone through something difficult has brought me to a different place of um, submission and, and uh, what's the word, when in relationship with God, just a humility before him and a gratefulness um, for who he is. And that mm-hmm. helps me extend that to others. Um, yeah. And so I think that's it, shown in the film too. Yeah, you don't know, you know what people are going through. I mean, recently, last year about this time, um, I had a scar on my cornea. I had scratched my cornea, hmm. and I, I was wearing a protective contact lens for months, trying to let that heal, let that heal. And, you know, uh, that whole idea w- was terrifying to me, sure. you know, and, and, be, and being in film and doing photography and doing the things I do, uh, they wanted to do laser surgery on it. And I was, I was scared to death. It was one of the darkest periods of my Mm -hmm. life because I had to come to the place of I could lose my sight, possibly. I mean, it's, you know, they do it all the time, sure, but I could lose my sight. And and this was a huge, huge thing to me. I mean, it is to anybody, of course, but based on what I do, I was just like, God, if I mean, if I lose my sight, what, who am I? What is my purpose? What is my value kind of thoughts? Yeah. Um, And very you know, not depressed, but very dark thoughts. And, and, and I finally had to come to terms with, okay, Lord, well, I have to put this in your hands. I mean, you have not brought me to the place where you have not put the skills in me and, and gone through the boot camp of everything I've done to, to have me go blind. Like, right. I don't think that's my future. I don't think that's what you've 
instilled in me, but I'm scared that that is a potential of this surgery. And man, I had the surgery and sat in the dark for a whole weekend. And yeah. that pain and that fear really, like you said, that brokenness, I just had to come to the point of like, all right, Lord, I just, I just have to trust you. I just have yeah. to completely give this away and sit in the dark for three days and pray that my vision is going to be as good as when I started before I scarred my cornea. And, and that mm-hmm. process, I, I, there's so many weird little things along the journey. Um, I remember I was speaking into my voice recorder. Uh, I, I, I wanted to speak about, uh, I was speaking to my voice recorder, some little uh, a reminder to ask the doctor about something. And I don't even remember initially what I said, but when I stopped the reminder and it came up on my phone, it's, it said, remember to ask doctor. And then it said, God by my side. Wow. And I was, I mean, it makes me want to cry right now. And then when I went to sign in, my dad had had cornea surgery to, to, adjust cataracts in his eyes or something the year before. So he and I had several conversations about it. And when I went, I'm going to, I'm going to tearing up right now. When I went to sign into the doctor to have them laser my eye, I was the number 20, which was my dad's number wow. when he played basketball in high school. And so it's just those little nuggets along the way where God's like, I'm here. Yeah. I love that. And that story. Uh, oh my gosh. It was so I mean, I have not taken that reminder off my phone because any time <laughs> when I'm like being a dork and being a jerk and questioning anything that God's doing, I have that reminder on my phone, God by my side. And I took a picture of the number 20 when I signed in to have my, my eyeball zapped. Um, that was a that was a scary time. Um, and, you know, I know they do laser surgeries every day and um, anyone would be afraid of losing their sight. I know these things. But to me, it was just the whole journey of purpose and what am I about was in crisis because I had scratched my cornea. Totally. You know, when I was, I've never told you this story, but when I was in my mid-20s, I was a professional singer. That's what I did my whole life. I went to college and majored in musical theater. So I sang. And when I was in my mid-20s, my voice started going. And I always had like a three-octave kind of range. And all of a sudden I had a very limited range and it sounded like nodules but when I went to the Mm. doctor to have it looked at he said it's not a nodule it's something else on your vocal cord and I literally I mean I could talk and I sounded normal but I would start singing and then there'd be nothing it would just be air it the chords couldn't come together and after several months of going on vocal rest and you know trying to let it heal it didn't and so the the surgeon said, I think we need to, you know, operate and take this. It wasn't a nodule, but take this growth off your vocal cord. And I thought the same thing you thought, what am I going to do? Like all Mm -hmm. I'd ever done since I was a little girl was sing. And, um, and so I was like, well, I can't sing the way I'm doing the way it is now. So let's just go ahead and do it. And when I came out of surgery, I'm sorry, when what were you going to say? No, I just, you don't have a choice. Like you, you've got to do it. You can't continue doing what you're doing as it is. Yeah. Right. And so when I came out of surgery, he said, you know, we went to remove it and they usually biopsy things. He said, we couldn't because it just kind of, 
all got sucked up into whatever suction they had going on. Um, and so we were kind of left with no answers of what it was. And um, then I had to start the process of healing. And of course, I wasn't supposed to talk for a while. <laughs> and I was staying with my parents while I was healing. And my dad was like, this is awesome. She's not talking. Because <laughs> I guess I have a reputation <laughs> for liking to talk. Thanks, I mean, Mom. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, and, you know, it's my dad's sense of humor that the, uh, you know, lightened the mood and everything, but we joked about it. And then when my voice started coming back, like, I kid you not, I was doing warm ups and I was get with a, a vocal coach and um, I could sing like three notes at once. It was weird, like, or two, maybe wow. it was two notes. It really wasn't three. It was like two notes at once. I was like, that sounds strange. Like, I have no idea. And then it eventually went away as, as my chords healed. Um, but there is that moment of when you're getting, you know, um, broken, that you surrender completely to the Lord and say, this, you gave me this. And, you know, if you take it away, I still love you. I still trust you. Right. Um, yeah. But it does humble us in a way that makes us so much more sensitive to other people. Yeah, totally. And and it it is humbling. I think, you know, that's something I, I, I feel from, from time to time, and I'm challenged by the phrase that I feel that way in what I'm the endeavor I'm doing now. You know, I'm doing everything I possibly can to get this movie in front of people, but ultimately it is God's story and I have mm-hmm. to trust that God will get it to the people that he wants it to. And I always I always say it's like, Okay, God, I'm gonna do everything I can do yeah. in my being and I'm gonna trust you to do what only you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and and I trust you to do what only you can do. And so that's that's the whole thing of of it's humbling, mm-hmm. but it's also it, it's in some it's in some ways it's freeing to you, but yes. it's a it's a very humbling thing. It's like okay, I can't control this. Um, I have to step in and just allow God to do what only He can do. Yeah, that's what I always call partnership with God. That He He loves to work with us, but He doesn't want us to work alone, and so He gives us enough to be able to you know enjoy what we do and. And then he comes in and gives us ideas, and it's like this back and forth, beautiful thing. But in the end, you know, what is the verse that after, like, you just leave it and um, stand, yeah, yeah, just stand, yeah. And uh, so I'm excited to see how God is going to use this movie. Um, in the lives of everybody who sees it. So um, I'm going to, we're just going to wrap up. I'm going to give some details. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they can find um, more information about the movie on Facebook at Be Broken Movie. And Twitter and Instagram, I think, is the same Be Broken Movie. Um, is that right? Yes, it is the letter B Broken Movie. So it'd be hashtag Be Broken Movie. Um, or some people are just doing hashtag be broken but we want to connect it to the movie as much as possible and then obviously we have the website uh, beautifullybrokenmovie.com and if you go to the website you can find theaters you can find our facebook our instagram our youtube channel multiple trailers multiple testimonials and even resources i'm i'm real excited that we have the uversion bible devotional launching it's a seven-day devotional with videos from the movie and it really interfaces with the film and the concepts and the biblical ideals in the film but it's all based in you know beautifullybrokenmovie.com and that's that's the best place to find us and find theaters and resources 
Awesome. Yes, I forgot about the version thing. So definitely, I'll leave links to everything that we talked about throughout this podcast and, and um, where people can find the movie and the devotional as well on the website. So at jillmonaco.com, if you go to the podcasts and find this podcast, you can find all the links in the show notes. Um, and I want everyone to know Beautifully Broken has already received so many glowing reviews from viewers in its advanced screenings. So again, be sure if you want more information to view the movie trailer, photos, cast bios, resources, all that stuff, Beautifully Broken movie. So be sure to go see the movie. It comes out in just a few days on August 24th. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, that is August 24th, 2018. Again, it's in 600 theaters all across the U.S. And it's so important to go see it on opening weekend. It makes such a difference for the success of a film. So I appreciate you listening and going to see the movie this weekend. Eric, thank you so much for joining me on my podcast today. Absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you to all of your listening audience and uh, keep listening to the show and, and also enjoy our film and keep keeping on. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple things I would love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to the show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed and ready for you when you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help me continue to reach others, please leave a review. Or you can click in the description and you can give to support the show now. And you can find out more from the Eric and Beautifully Broken when you go to jillmonaco.com slash episode 27. Just click on the show notes to find all the links mentioned today. So thanks again for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you were made for it.